Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. I'm reading Deuteronomy 6. Now this is the commandment, the statuses, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statuses and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, be careful, do not let them... <laughs> be and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What does the Bible have for a vision for your family? The text that was read a little bit earlier was out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and that's going to be our our focus for our text today. But we have a verse for this series, and we always try to have a series verse. Let me tell you why we have a series verse. My goal, my hope, is that you commit it to memory. Uh, My goal is that, man, the series verses that we base our series around, that you would take the time and to memorize them. So this one is uh, actually in uh, the book of Proverbs, and it's in the 29th chapter, and it's the 18th verse. And this is out of the Amplified Bible. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And then what the verse goes on in the Amplified Bible is it helps us define what that means. And so the word vision actually means where there is no redemptive revelation of God. Guys, that comes through preaching and teaching. That also comes from you studying the Word of God. The Bible clearly states where where there is no vision, no revelation from God, the people perish. And then it goes on to say, but he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and viable is he. And so the Bible, this series, is what we want to do is help you with a vision, not only for your family, not only for your finances, but also for your faith and also for your future. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about vision. A goal without a plan is just a wish. It's a wish. I'm 25 years old, uh, not today, I used to be, and uh, some of you guys that might catch you off guard. Uh, I was 25 years old, and I'm sitting at my kitchen table, and a guy who probably never know what, never knew what he did to my life is sitting across the kitchen table from me. His name is Daryl Boyles. And Daryl looks at me, and uh, I'm 25, I've got a young family, we're scraping by, trying to figure out what Jesus wants to do with our lives, and he says this to me, I'll never forget it, and I hope you never forget it today. He says, Ronnie... You're exactly where you planned on being five years ago. Oh, easy, Daryl. You don't know me. Seriously. We just met. We've known each other like four months. How are you going to tell me about where I'm supposed to be and how you know where I'm supposed to be? 
And he said, Ronnie, you are exactly where you planned on being five years ago. I'm like, Daryl, you don't know what happened. I mean, we had a kid that was in ICU for like six weeks. I, I was out wor- without work. When, when my daughter was born, it's two weeks later, my company laid me off. And then, I mean, we've been playing catch-up. And Daryl, I'm 25. I had, you, you, you don't even, how do you know? And he said, he just told me this. He said, Ronnie, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have something written down, your life, you're just living on a wish. And so what I want to help us with is I want to give us, and I want to just pull from this text in Scripture, a vision for our families. I think at Audacity, our desire is for you to live life intentionally. I believe you'll be most fulfilled when you are living life with purpose. Um, In this series today, we're specifically going to be looking at a vision for your family. Jess did a great job, and she read out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and that's going to be our text today. But I want to give you a little bit of a background on the text that she read to us. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's probably one of the most venerated portions of the Hebrew Bible. It is prayed twice a day, and, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Jesus quotes more from the book of Deuteronomy than he does any of the other 39 books in the entire Old Testament. But this is Moses, and Moses is coming to the children of Israel. Just a little bit of a background, they've been slaves. They were, uh, they were called into a land. They were living life. They're, they, they're, they're a growing family. There's a guy named Israel. He has a bunch of sons. God starts to bless his family. And then through some circumstances, their whole clan, their whole posse, their whole tribe ends up as slaves in Egypt. And then God, he, he supernaturally steps in and he frees the people of Israel from Egypt. And so then they wander in the wilderness, which is just awkward for 40 years. It should have taken them just a couple of weeks to get to, Israel, to, to get to the promised land, but yet it took them 40 years. I heard one theologian, dead dude with a beard, said this. He said, it took Israel just one day to get out of Egypt, but it took 40 years for Egypt to get out of Israel. And that's where a lot of us are. We're not living in the promised land that God so desperately wants us to live in. And I believe that Moses, then he goes on and he explains a few things. Moses gives three things in this portion of Scripture. One, he reminds them of the Ten Commandments. And he reminds them of their covenant with God. He says, blessings will come whenever you obey the voice of God. Blessings are going to come whenever you listen to the heart of God. Blessings are going to come. And then before David Letterman, Moses had hid. He whipped out the top ten list. And he says, these are the things that you don't do. Listen, God doesn't want... When he sets those things out, it's because he knows the consequences if we live in those things. I don't have to take a poll today. If you come from a broken family, I don't have to. I I, I know what happens. I know the trials. I know the struggles. I know the things that you walk through. I don't have to take a poll today if you live in a blended family. I know exactly what you're going through. And I know how the challenges, and I know how hard it can be. Do you think that God's up there like, hey, listen, I don't want you to do that because I just want to ruin, you know what, I don't want you to have any joy. I don't want you to enjoy life. No, God's saying, hey, listen, man, these things, when you happen, man, there's consequences to them. He's not laying out a bunch of rules so that he's a joy killer. He's doing them for protection. 
Now listen, if you're in the situation that Ashley and I are in, and you've kind of maybe have some baggage, maybe you've, I don't know where you are in life, but let me just tell you this, man, God wants to redeem it if you let him. He lays out the top ten. The second thing he does is he says that they must love God above all else, and this requires all of their heart. And then the third thing he does is he tells them that they are chosen and then they are special. And he lays out the law. Jesus, ironically enough, in Matthew chapter 22, and I don't know if this is in your notes, but he, he's asked a question. He says, hey, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And then he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus probably makes the most profound statement, I believe, in all of the New Testament when he says this. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus says there's 39 books in the Old Testament. Jesus says there are hundreds of laws for everything, and I can sum them up in four words, love God, love people. And Jesus is laying some groundwork. He's also venerating this text. He's also saying, hey, pay attention to what Deuteronomy chapter 6 says. So I'm going to give you four things I believe that God wants you to hear today about a vision for your family. Everybody say four things. All right, here's number one. The first thing is I want you just to take the Bible seriously. Just take it as the inspired word of God. In verses 1 through 3 it says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God and your sons and your daughters by keeping all his statutes and all his commandments which I have commanded you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that, uh, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a fl- land flowing with milk and honey. I don't know what a land flowing with milk and honey is, but I'm assuming it's a beautiful thing. Now, I, I know that when, when um, the children of Israel, when they go and scout the land, they bring back grapes that are so big I mean, the guys had to carry them like multiple people had to carry a cluster of grapes. I know that God is saying, hey, when, I, when you listen to me, when you allow me to lead you into the promised land, there is blessing and favor that come. And God is laying out some specific things that he wants us to do. And the first is just take the word of God seriously. Fear the Lord so that your days may be long. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says this, that all scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. And then it goes on and says it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction. Listen, nobody in this room is like, oh, please, bring me some reproof. Really? Ronnie? Yeah. The guys that know me and that hang around me, one of the questions I ask them all the time is, hey, when's the last time you took your wife out on a date? I'm sitting across the table from a couple. I don't see them in here this morning. Uh, oh, well, uh, anyway, uh, I know we're there. Uh, okay. I'm sitting across the table, and I said, hey, when's the last time you took your wife out on a date? And he goes, oh, man. Uh, and he tells me, I was like, was your kid with you? And he goes, yeah. I was like, okay, it doesn't count. Like, I need another one. And he says, oh, we went to this concert. And I'm like, sweet, was, when was that? That's awesome. When was this concert? He says, August? This is November. Like, bro, that, that's not okay with me. You're going to date your wife, and you're going to love her. Now, he took that correction well, but the fact of the matter is some of you guys don't want me in your business like that. 
Some of you guys don't want to be held accountable. And nobody in the room is like, yay, hey, correct me, bring me reproof. But the Bible says he, he, we're doing it with purpose. I say that to transition into this point. Your kids don't like it either, especially if they're a teenager. I don't know. Stop laughing, son. We all hear you. We know you just turned 13 last month. And there's a switch that goes off. And I, I don't even know what happens. And I'm just like, what happened? You were, you were my baby. Yet now you're like possessed with the teenage something or another. Right? Are, are your kids, whether they're 2 or whether they're 13, they don't like reproof or they don't like correction. So it's important that we do it in the same way that God wants it done. And we go back to Scripture. In Psalms chapter 111, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Man, let me just explain that word fear to you. It means awe or reverent. It's not like, whoa, lightning bolt, God. It's not like you got, you know, and you see God coming in the room and you got to like get down because you don't, you know, that's, that's not the fear it's talking about. It is a reverent awesomeness. It should say understanding the awesomeness of God is the beginning of wisdom. I need you and I in this year for our families to take the Bible seriously. How do we do that? Psalms chapter 119. If you're a man in the room and you're not on our, our the dudes page, Please let me know on our Facebook page because one of the things we're doing this year is just challenging each other to memorize Scripture. Ladies, look at me. Your husband's memorizing the Bible. If he is not, and just ask him, hey, what does Psalms 112 say? Hopefully he can start it with the first sentence and just keep him accountable because I'm going to. But here's what we do. This is the Bible. This is what it says. Psalms 119, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I don't blow it. So I don't miss the mark. That's, all what, that's what sin is. Sin is missing the standard. It's missing the mark. And the Bible says, I have hidden your words in my heart so I don't miss the mark, so I don't blow it. And you know a lot of things that I've walked through in my life are because of personal decisions that I made. We don't like consequences. There are a lot of things that, that happened to Ashley and I as a family that were because of the decisions that I made. I didn't seek them in prayer. I made life-altering decisions without praying and fasting. I just basically did everything the Bible tells me not to do. And I'm like, hey, bless it, Lord. And that's a lot of times how we live. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to hide your word in my heart. Your word says to wait upon you. Your word says to learn from you. Your word says to trust in you. The word says don't make a major life decision without praying and fasting. So I'm going to trust you with that. I'm going to do that. Number one is taking the Bible seriously. Number two is living out the Shema. Everybody say Shema. You learned some Hebrew today. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it says, Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. And let me explain. This word here means listen. I was talking to my son yesterday. I told him to do the same thing three times. He's like, I only heard you once. But what does that matter? If you heard me once and you still didn't do it, <laughs> I said it three times. He's like, yeah, I only heard you once. I'm like, buddy, I, I still said it, right? This is not only hearing, but it's listening. It's when we take the time to listen to God to respond to him. That's what hear, O Israel, means. It means listen in order to respond. And then it goes on to say that the Lord our God is one. 
The Shema is in the central part of the Jewish prayer book. The Jews have a prayer book. It's called the Siddur, and it just basically means prayer order. And in this book, um, this portion of Scripture, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, is actually the first portion of Scripture that most Jewish people will have their kids memorize. This is the first part. And when they recite this in the synagogue, and they're, in, in, and they're worshiping the God of Yahweh, and, and, and they're, they're still waiting on the Messiah, and they, and they read this, and, and they pronounce each word very slowly and very methodically. And another thing they do is as they're reciting this prayer, just out of reverence, they take their right hand and they cover their eyes and they say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one. And they go through this prayer methodically. Most Jewish people will pray this prayer, Deuteronomy 6, it's actually 4 through 9. They'll pray it twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. So what is the Shema? The Shema is a way of life. The Shema is us living intentionally in right relationship with the Creator God, our Heavenly Father, through His Son Jesus, and by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the Shema, there is no room for idols. Guys, let me just tell you, and idols are money, sex, and power. Those are the three that everyone, every, everybody you know is probably bowing to. And some of you in this room might be bowing to the same idols. They all can be put into three different categories. Whether you're trying to protect your reputation has to do with power. Whether you're being frugal with your resources has to do with money. Whether you're addicted to porn or your marriage relationship isn't what it's supposed to be, it comes down to sex. Every idol that we fight in our heart, can be, there is no room for God. Jesus, is, he doesn't play like second fiddle. Jesus isn't going to be the prom date that you called after the first girl told you no. That's not the role that Jesus wants to play in your life. Favorite bumper sticker of all time says, Jesus is my co-pilot. Hey, guess what? He doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to be your pilot. He wants to be the one that leads and directs every one of your steps. He doesn't want to sit on the side and say, hey, uh, let me know if you get lost. I'll try to give you some navigating directions. Jesus says, I want to be the one that's in complete control of your life. Psalms 119 says that the word of the Lord is a lamp into my feet. Guys, there's times I want it to be a giant spotlight. And I'm like, God, could you just, could you light up the next like mile or two? He doesn't. It's a lamp so that you see the next step. And God says, take the next step. Be faithful with the next step. Part of the Shema is living in a prayer Morning and night, they prayed this prayer. And it's a separate obligation from prayer. It's a way of life. And it's also a prayer. It's acknowledging your position, that you are in submission to the creator of the universe. That you're saying, God, I completely, control, I completely give you control of all things. And sometimes I don't hear your voice as clear as I'd like to, but I trust you. I don't know exactly where you're leading me, but I walk in submission to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let you guide my life. Psalms 55 verse 1 or verse 17 says, Morning, noon, and night I cry out in my distress and the Lord hears me. Guys, when you're praying, He hears you. And there's days I'm like, hey, could you show me a sign? Now, don't start praying this because this is my prayer at night sometimes. But God, hey, could I just see a shooting star for confirmation? Why are y'all laughing at me? Isn't that great faith? I'm just like, hey, 
I believe you're telling us, how about a star, you know, just like through the sky? Is Haley's Comet around? I mean, could you, how about writing it, could you write it in my coffee in the morning? Like, you know, little grits that fall in, could you just tell me? Guys, he hears us when we pray. We have to make it a habit of prayer. That's the only way to live the life of the Shema. Jesus set an example for us in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It said, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus made it a habit of prayer. A guy I listened to, uh, some, and uh, his name's Dr. John Piper. And he's talking about having scheduled appointments with Jesus just to pray. And I'm listening to him, and I'm like, man, I, this guy, you know, I wonder what his, what his prayer life is like. He, guys, the way, he said, the way my life is, he goes, I don't get to pray every day the way that I would like to. He said, but Monday Jesus knows that I'm going to show up at noon, and the Heavenly Father has an appointment with me, and I pray to him Monday on my lunch. He said, and on Tuesdays it's usually about 5 o'clock, and every Tuesday God can expect me to enter his throne room at about 5 o'clock for prayer. Man, this year, will you put down something to pray with your family? You know, we, we try to pray every night with our kids, and we're, we're not perfect. I was uh, <clears throat> with a buddy of mine, and we took our kids to the McDonald's Jungle Gym, uh, which is, you know, it's, we, it's like immune system building is the reason we go, I think. And uh, uh, my kids like begging for ice cream and like McDonald's the whole time. And I'm like, hey, we're just here to play. Your mom will divorce me if I feed you McDonald's. And... Um, I give him chicken nuggets, and I, I confess through a text message because I didn't want to talk to her over the phone about it. And um, we're there. We're doing some immune building uh, by playing in the germ, giant plastic germ thing. And uh, my buddy's got a two-year-old kid, and the two-year-old kid hit his head and on the slide, and he comes, and he's kind of upset. And he goes, Daddy, will you pray? And he just lays his hand on me. He says, Jesus, I just pray that you heal him in the name of Jesus, and you just fix his bump on his head. He just pops him on the butt and says, go on your way. He did it like four times. I'm like, this kid is in constant need of healing. But the cool thing to me was that this, his name's Chase. Every time Chase knew to come running to his dad that he had a bump in his head and said, hey, dad, will you pray for me? My kids probably run because they feel like I'm going like, to drop an elbow on them or give them a noogie or something. But what if we made every response and we taught our families that every response in the Shema way of life is to pray? Every response. Our kids fight over who prays for dinner, and so now we just like let anybody who wants to pray and your food is cold uh, because they'll pray for everybody around the table. And then because we pray as a family, they pray for people that need healing or people that are needing miracles. And I'm just like, Ashley, can we just let one person pray? Isn't that our flesh? Like, hey, I know we're entering the throne room of heaven, but can we just do it one at a time? I mean, do we all need to, like, start praying so all seven of us are praying over dinner? Guys, that should be the lifestyle that we live. Our kids, our families should be raised. Whether you have a family, whether you're in the middle of a family, whether you've not entered, your response, my response in everything should be the way of life. It should be the Shema. We should do what Jesus did. And we should pray about everything. We should wake up early in the morning and we should pray. And listen, if you're not a morning person, Ashley is not either. I make her coffee and I set it next to her every morning. I'm like, hey, let's, let's get going. It's noon. No, it's not that bad. Um, but 
she's not in here today. My filter's not working. And, uh, but I tell her, I'm like, hey, make her coffee in the morning. And I always try to get her a cup of coffee and to get her started. Well, that's not her best time. But at night, you'll find my wife with an open Bible. And you'll find my wife in prayer. That's where she thrives. Her and Jesus connect like at midnight. I'm like, hey, my Jesus went to bed at 1030 when good people do. Let's, let's try to wrap this up. So whether it's morning or whether it's evening, will you carve out some time? You know, we start a 21-day fast um, today um, at dusk or whenever you want to start. And until the 25th, we're just going to be praying about certain things going on at Audacity. And uh, I just ask you to check. Uh, we, we should have some stuff on the website. And then just check social media. But this is what I challenge you to do. Will you just pray this year? Will you pray with your family like you've never prayed before? Will you just will you pray? Number three is teach diligently. Verse 7, it says, You shall teach them diligently to your child, and you shall talk to them of when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let me just explain this word here to you uh, in Proverbs chapter 22. Whenever it says in the way he should go, it's actually using some terminology. Um, uh, the children of Israel, they didn't like have, they weren't, they weren't uh, when they went into war, weren't like major sword carriers, okay? But some history shows that they did like to uh, have bows and arrows. And so this is what this is a picture of. It's a picture of somebody walking through and seeing in a forest and finding the bow or finding a tree limb that has the right bend in it. And the bend that they're looking for so then they can string it and make a bow and arrow. What Proverbs is teaching you and I here is to identify the bend in our children. And so then as they grow up, they'll know what to embrace. Some of your kids are suffering because you're trying to make every one of them like you. And if God wanted another one of you, it would have been a second mistake. Right? Is that just me? He's like, man, the world can only handle one Ronnie. We'll be in big trouble, people. Or when we try to make our kids like the older sibling or the younger sibling. Ashley and I have a large family, so we've done a lot of study on birth order. It doesn't all work. We have one kid that's the middle kid. It's so sad, like I've left him in the car before. I mean, God bless his soul. We get in the house. We're like, hey, where's Lucas? Oh, he's asleep in the car. Why well, got all the little girls in? This is victory, Right. And some kids do do that. But our goal is to identify the bend. One of the things we asked our kids this year about 2015, especially the older ones as they're teenagers, and I said, hey, what do you want to accomplish this year? What do you want to try to learn? What would you like to do? And some of the, questions, some of the answers were really off the wall, and I'm like, well, let's, let's, let, let's let them try. I mean, because our, our goal as parents is to identify the bend in them. That's why we train them up. Will you teach your children diligently. I can hear you now. Ronnie, I don't love the Bible like you do. Will you just start wherever you are? Wherever you are. And when all else fails, use VeggieTales. And when all else fails, just open the Bible to the red letters and let them hear the voice of Jesus through you. That's all you need to do. Is just open it up and say, hey, listen, this is John. This is chapter 2. 
and I don't understand this all, but man, Jesus, he, there's some, it's a young couple and they're getting married and they're about to, man, they're running out of wine and no one likes to party and run out of wine, but especially at a marriage. And if you don't know the, 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 the context is if, if that young couple, they would have carried that blemish with them the rest of their lives. They'd have been like, oh, that's that young couple that, man, they couldn't even provide for their marriage feast. That was that young couple that could, I mean, and Jesus, for whatever reason, because he cares about the small stuff, decided to bring drinks to a party and shows up and turns water into wine. Just read John chapter 2 and say, hey, isn't this cool? If you drink wine, tell your kids why they can't. If you don't drink wine, tell your kids why you don't. I don't care. Open the book and read it to them. Will you teach Scripture to your children diligently? The third John, this is Jesus' brother writing. Uh, third John, chapter 1 says this. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Man. Now John's talking about his spiritual brothers, his spiritual children. But what about you and I? I have no greater joy than knowing that my children are walking in truth. The only way they're going to walk in truth is if you teach them truth. I'm going to say something, and some of you are going to offend it, be offended, and uh, go ahead and be that way. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because he homeschools his kids. And um, at the turn of the century, education, uh, well, two centuries ago, however you want to look at it, moved outside of the home in this culture, in the West. And when it did, Parents have decided it's somebody else's responsibility to teach their children. Two things, and only two. Number one, you better know what your kids are learning. You better crack open their books and find out what five and six and seven-year-olds are learning, and they're not talking to you about, they're talking to somebody about. Number two is your responsibility is far greater to train up their children than it is for our kids' leadership team upstairs. It was really good preaching, so I need everybody to say amen. Your responsibility is to train up your children in the knowledge of Scripture. We have an impact of 40 minutes a Sunday a week. 40 minutes a week. You have them 168 hours a week. Do the math. We have a responsibility to teach our children diligently with Scripture. And Brandon's going to come, and this is the number four. I want your home to be a sanctuary. They're like, Ronnie, I, we've already read that. I don't, how are you going to pull that out of this verse? Be careful and watch. Deuteronomy chapter 6 through 8, it says this. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. You know that the Shema that we read earlier? There's a, a Jewish teaching. What they do is they roll this little tiny thing and they, and, and, and on like it looks like a scroll. And they actually put it into, a, it's called a, a mezuzah. And they put it on the outside of their doors. And some Jewish people take this to the extreme. And they take a mezuzah and they put it on every door in their home except for closets and bathrooms. And I'm like, whoa, hey, Jesus might be in the closet. I mean, maybe he wants to go to the bathroom with you. Every part, every doorway in their home. 
because they want their home to be embraced in the Word of God. They want their family to know the importance of the Word of God. And they want their home to be a sanctuary where God feels welcome and where God is present. Will you live a life of grace to your family? Will you mirror the Father to your family? Will you just, listen, I've never seen a picture of Jesus with the frontlet on his head or on his arm. And I'll tell you this, he wore one, he wore one his whole life. His whole life. And you'll never see a picture of it. You just won't. We see what's my favorite California Jesus. He's like, hey, guys, let's go for a walk on the beach. And Jesus wore one of these on his hip. We wore a frontlet on his head. Or he at least had the Shema. It's a little box, and they wrap it around their arms. And he wore it on his arm Any, all day, every day. They took this so seriously that they put it on every door. I can't even hang a picture correctly or put a nail without like breaking like my thumb. But they were methodical and they put it everywhere because they wanted their homes to be a place of grace. Will you allow your home to be a sanctuary? There's a beautiful scripture and it's in Lamentations. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background as I'm closing. A guy named Jeremiah is... He's just lamenting. He's basically whining. I mean, it's a book of crying is what he's doing. And his heart is just crushed because he's seen what's happened to Israel. He's seen the northern tribe go into captivity. At captivity excuse me. He's seen what's happened, and he's just crushed. He's tried to prophesy. He's tried to tell them, hey, listen, God wants to do something in your life. And then he's lamenting. He's weeping. And this is what he says. He has seen nothing but destruction. He has seen people become slaves to other countries. And this is what he says. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Gang, listen. Will you allow your home to be every day a mirror of the Father where steadfast love is new every day, where faithfulness to your kids, to your family, to your wife, and it's there every day where I, God is so faithful. Where mercy, you know, we named our daughters now Five Mercy. We thought... Uh, um, it was because of what our name meant, and, and now I realize it's a, it's, it's a prayer that we say every time we say our name. And it's a constant reminder to me of the compassion that Jesus wants to pour out on me and what he wants to pour out on you. Will you allow your home to be a sanctuary? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't want anybody looking around. Will you allow a vision for your family? We're five days in, four days in. Will you allow the vision for your family to be one where you guys take the Bible seriously in your home? Where you stand firm on the promises of God and where God says, where I lead you, I'm going to be with you. And no matter what you're walking through, I want to be present in the middle of it. And will you just take it seriously and stand firm on the promises of God? Will you live out a life where you say, I exist to glorify God. I exist to live the life in the Shema. Will you teach your, the Bible diligently? Listen, if, you're, if it's just you and your spouse, will you really get involved in, with studying the Word of God together? 
Will you teach the Bible to your children? Just open up the book. Read the red letters if that's where you've got to start. Let your kids see Jesus. And will you allow your home to be a sanctuary where you mirror the Father in everything that you do? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.